the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Hey, everybody. We have somebody else to hate today. We have somebody new. Oh, thank goodness, because... I'm getting so tired of hating the same people. There's somebody new to hate. The former deputy, Scott Peterson. Have you heard about him? He's the sheriff's deputy. We can all rally around our hate for him. He resigned yesterday after video surveillance showed that he was armed and stationed at the Stoneman Douglas High School while the shooting took place last week. Instead of immediately addressing the target and putting an end to the rampage, Peterson cowered behind a concrete column in a stairwell. The sheriff of Broward County, there is something wrong with the sheriff. Mark my words, something is wrong here. The sheriff of Broward County suspended Peterson without pay pending an investigation, but the officer beat him to it. Peterson, knowing his fate, resigned and retired yesterday. This morning, police officers line Peterson's home. They're guarding against anyone who wants to harm Peterson. And that's a lot of people. The officers themselves probably don't want to protect this coward. And I will tell you this. This is an example of the police doing their job doing things they protect people all the time that they don't feel a conviction inside to necessarily defend i can't speak for the police but i will tell you this before we take up our pitchforks and torches and charge his door we've got to do something he's to blame let's remember something we weren't there As much as we'd like to think that we'd be brave and execute a single kill shot to the Stoneman shooter, before he could take the 17 lives, how would that really play out in real life? Would we be brave? Would we have the courage? I know we all hope we would, but none of us know until we're actually in the situation. I am not defending Peterson's gutless inaction. I think he should have used his training to save lives that day. But there are very brave people that go to war that think they can do it, and they freeze at that moment. What I'd like us to remember is, thank God we aren't him. Thank God we weren't him. We don't know what was going through his mind, and we don't know what we would have done. Peterson could have been a hero, but he made another choice. And I said, thank God we're not him, because he has to live with this guilt of inaction for the rest of his life. So before we call for blood, let's remember, Scott Peterson is going to live with his punishment for as long as he lives. we can hate him let's hate him it's friday february 23rd this is the glenn beck program tell me Stu, before we get into all of this do you trust this sheriff in uh broward county there's something weird going i i don't know i mean i don't i don't you know watching him at the cnn thing the other day mm-hmm. and the way he was making 
really disingenuous pandering arguments yes. to the crowd. Yes. I really did not like that. Yes. And and did he not know when he went on stage that this security guard or you know whatever I can't remember the type of officer he was supposed to He's be. He's a deputy. Uh he yeah. So he he did he know at that time when he went on stage in front of, you know, the entire nation he had that, to have that there was film of uh, you know video of this guy did, not did, going in there did he not know that the that uh police had been called to the house 31 times yeah, i mean 39 39 mm-hmm. times he he lied on national television about that yeah. yeah and you could tell he was he was just he was squirmy and slimy there is something more to come out with Broward County I, I just think there is, and it's going to revolve around this guy. You know what it sort of feels like? And again, I, you know, uh, this is a very uh, early yeah. thought, but it, it feels like the guy, the Duke lacrosse prosecutor. Yes. That's what it feels yes. like. Where you remember that? Where like it just, yes. he seemed off the whole time. And it, yes. And he seemed to be jumping to a lot of conclusions. Like the way he, again, the, by all appearances of what we know right now, this guy, Scott Peterson, the deputy really blew it and maybe cost a bunch of people their lives yes. i mean look it's it's a difficult situation you outlined it well there of what that moment would be like to make those decisions but that's your job he's a veteran he was on the police force like it's his job to go in there in that moment okay so, right? so he's got to do that do you remember do you remember the movie saving private ryan yeah, yeah i have sympathy for scott uh peterson only because i'm not convinced i'm not the guy on the stairs going into war yeah I, I'm not convinced I wouldn't be that guy. I don't know. Right. And, and, and luckily for all of us, you're doing talk radio instead of <laughs> yeah. defending us. Yeah. But I mean, again, when it's your job, you've defended the nation at some level. I don't know yeah. what his military service was exactly, but he was, he was a veteran. He was a deputy. It's your job to go in there. So if all is explained the way we know it right now, it's impossible to excuse those actions, though they could be humanly understandable. Uh, let's but, try, hang on. Let's try this. Does it change anything if he was a veteran and he has PS, uh, PTSD? Right, maybe. And, right. and he was going through an episode? It's possible. Again, you shouldn't probably have that job. Yes. It, it, you know, there's a lot. of. But again, all of this is what, what I find interesting about this is that I think everyone reacted the same way when they heard that. Uh, at least instinctively, which is like this bastard. Yeah. This guy was on campus with a firearm. There's like somebody inside shooting children and you sit outside for four minutes. That's how I think everyone reacted. That all comes from the evidence we got from the sheriff mm-hmm. who have you ever heard a police officer instantly blame a, another police officer like that? I mean, he was so instantly accusatory and I mean, they immediately, and it could be completely legitimate. It's just, it, I don't think I've ever heard, it wasn't a balanced, uh, listen, uh, measured way of telling that story. Listen to what he was doing the night before with, with Dana. Yeah. He was, he, Pandering. when she, beyond that, covering. Yeah. She, when she said, you know, 39 times, that's not enough for you to take the guns away. 39 times. You're, well, you're not the judge. You're not the judge. You don't know. You, you've yeah. got it all the way. Where did you get that? There are 39 times. Who was the victim? Well, I heard it from Reuters. Uh, Reuters wasn't the victim. Yeah. Remember, he like, tried to CNN deflect CNN reported this. Are you saying CNN got this wrong? And then, and then Dana was forced to say, I'm not saying CNN was the, the, the threat. I, what I'm saying is they reported it. Like, and of course, he knew that. Yes. But he's trying to deflect. He was trying Correct. to cover. He was, so, so you couple that with, 
immediately. Look at the bad guy. Look at the bad guy. He didn't do anything. There's this. There's something wrong with this. Something sheriff. weird. Something wrong with this sheriff. <laughs> I, I, I I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to hear from people from Broward County that know the sheriff, but there's something wrong here. I mean, how do you if that info, unless that information came up the next morning? How do you not say that at the town hall? I mean, how how is that not out before the town hall? You can't hide that on stage unless he found out about it right afterwards, which I guess is possible. But man, is it suspicious? Well, CNN can't be upset about it because I think it was a CNN story that I read this morning that said that uh, Wayne LaPierre came onto the stage yesterday at CPAC, and uh, at CPAC he said he he repeated his notorious phrase that he used at Sandy Hook. His notorious phrase, Stu. Oh, yeah? Well, hate him, hate him, hate him. What's the notorious phrase, though? I don't know. The, well, the notorious one. You know, the notorious one. So I would think if it's notorious, everyone would know well, it. It would be a really bad you moment You don't because you're trying just to hide it. His notorious phrase that a bad guy with a gun is only stopped by a good guy with a gun. <laughs> this is a notorious notorious i mean villainous vil- evil also almost exclusively true notorious Stu. <laughs> because even well, if you it's think- not universally true now is it it's not the bad guy could have shot himself well yeah okay? that's the only exception the right? bad but guy again, could have run out of bullets again well again uh still he would be stopped with a bad a good guy with a gun would show up and stop that uh, no yes it could have been the hulk could have been the hulk could it's have been the hulk. never the hulk it could have been unless the hulk what if it was what if it was but it wasn't what if it was <laughs> i mean it's because it, even in the cases where they where the shooter commits suicide it's almost always once the cops show up on the premises and they have to. Why don't you want the Hulk? <laughs> Why don't you want the Hulk? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to learn how we debate now. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I You're I, doing I, a good job. I it. thought so. Mm-hmm. Why do you hate the Hulk? Why do you refuse to say the Hulk could be used? The only thing you're missing is why do you hate people with green skin? Yes. Yeah, there, thank you. <laughs> now Thank you've you. Got, now you've worked racism. In. Oh, we have my God. All the elements of a good debate. I mean, uh, the notorious phrase, that is universally true. That's how it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well, not always a, a regular citizen that has a gun. It, many t- Sometimes it is, by the way. And then other times, it's uh, more commonly. I would say right. police officers come with guns, right. which stops these things. Right. So do you want the police officers not to have guns? Do you want the police officers not to have guns? Or are you saying that all people are bad and only police officers are good? Is that what makes that notorious? Is that it might be a private citizen with a gun because you can't accept that they're a good guy with a gun? Or is it that you believe that only police officers are good and they, well, maybe they don't stop it because they're cowering behind a concrete wall? Well, I mean, you know, look at look at the ch- Texas church shooting. We just saw an example good of a guy good with guy a gun. with a gun stopping I mean, a mass shooting. It literally is like one of the most recent things in our memory. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Or uh, how about the co- congressional? Uh, no no Uh, the same thing no good guy with a gun no uh you know this one this one obviously he 
attempted the quick change escape, which was to escape with the hostages, uh, which Bill Murray movie reference for all of the 99.9% of people who Isn't didn't that see that. a clown movie? Yeah, he dressed up as a clown. This great idea. He dresses up as a clown. He robs the bank. Then he goes inside and inside the bank changes into a normal costume with a disguise and leaves as one of the hostages. So they don't know he's gone. This guy actually tried to do that, basically. He put his guns down and then walked out with the students, and he got away. Oh my gosh, you've given me somebody new to hate. Bill Murray. Hate Bill <laughs> no, Murray. No. <laughs> hate Bill Murray. <laughs> As Eric Erickson put this uh, yesterday really well, in sum, because the FBI failed... Local law enforcement failed, the resource officer failed, and the security feed was on a 20-minute delay, which we haven't even discussed yet. We must curtail the Second Amendment, lest law-abiding citizens get hurt by madmen. I don't know. We seem to have a lot of other ways to stop this guy. We just didn't do it. <laughs> and I hate Bill Murray. I, I no, no, okay. no, no, oh, okay. no. Let's talk about the real issue. Your problem with the incredible... Hulk and your love for the notorious quote. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine taking your car on a hundred day test drive? I could. I'd be test driving really great cars all the time. Get a new pair of shoes. I'd like this for my wife. Get a new pair of shoes and, you know, walk around in them for a hundred days. She puts shoes on. I swear to you, she buys these shoes. Then she puts them on. We're in the car going to whatever it is we're going to. And she says, I can't wait to get home and get out of these shoes. Ah! Okay. Well, anyway, this is what Casper is doing. Giving you a hundred nights to test drive the Casper mattress in your own home for a hundred nights. Take the hundred night sleep challenge. A hundred night, get get a great sleep. If not, on day fifty, just call them up and say, "Take this thing back," and they come and they pick it up and they return, they refund every single penny. Okay, so you can go and test drive this for a hundred nights, or you could go, you know, to a to a store and uh, lay on a mattress and lay there in your clothes with your shoes and your coat, and uh, and then, you know, have somebody just stare at you the whole time and say, well, is that one more comfortable than the last one? I don't know. I can't tell the difference between the two anymore. Try 100 nights, a Casper mattress in your own home. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Casper.com and use the promo code Beck. That's Casper.com, promo code Beck. You're going to save $50 on select mattresses. Promo code Beck at Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Gun control works in other countries. 40% of all guns are sold without background checks. More guns means more murder. Mass shootings are becoming more common. You've heard all these lines a thousand times. Know the facts. Get control. Exposing the truth about guns on Amazon and wherever books are sold. That is such a good book. We're going to go through, um, beginning next week, all of the arguments uh, in control. And we're going to teach you the facts about gun control and uh, and shooters and murderers and, uh, you know, uh, what is it? The uh, gun-free zones. I love those. Love those. Let me go to uh, Eric in Florida. Uh, hello, Eric. 
Mr. Beck, it is an absolute honor to talk to you. Thank I you. live in I live in Parkland. I graduated from Stoneman Douglas in 2004, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm, an, I'm I'm a little older than what's going on there now. But I know Sheriff Israel. You said you wanted someone to call in who knows him. Yeah, I know him. He is a politician. He is a leftist. He is not a law enforcement officer. He ran for this seat and beat out a really good guy who had been in the seat for a very long time. Uh, Sheriff Israel is best friends with Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Oh my God! He is he's pals with Ted Deutsch, Congressman Deutsch. He is um, he is everything that's wrong with Broward County. I think I lived down here my whole life. I constitute pro- my family and I probably constitute the entire Jewish conservative uh, base down here. All five of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good well, luck. We probably, we probably constitute the entire conservative uh, base down here. But wow. uh, besides the fact. He is, um, you said you wanted someone that knows him. I know him. There's there's nothing off as far as conspiracy goes. It's just this is who he is. He made Broward County so you're saying, sanctuary county. So you're saying that he's just a politician, that he's not, because I think that, I think there's something more than this because he's throwing anything um, that, that, uh, uh, that it can make him look clean. You know, he's throwing people to the wolves and there's these, what is it, 39 cases where he was called to this kid's house and and nothing happened. I mean, uh, to me, yeah. it's he's responsible. Yeah. And, and I suspect and again, listen, I, I'm, I'm not in law enforcement. I just I just know him and I know his politics. I suspect as far as that goes, that's just because he, there, if, if like the rest of the left, if there's anything that he can do that takes the debate away from grabbing our guns, that's what he's going to do. So I think this is more of a cover mm. our tracks so that we don't get off track as far as the narrative goes. Mm. Um, I don't know anything about, you know, the, the investigation or any of that. I just know that the day after the shooting, the very day after the shooting, he came up to our neck of the wood. Broward County is physically a very large county. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's very involved in the southern part of the county, which is where most of the liberal, uh, yeah. where most of the liberal elite, including Debbie Wasserman, is. He came up to our neck of the woods. He stood outside of Stoneman Douglas High School, and the first words out of his mouth were, "Vote for people who don't get money from the NRA." I mean, he the, the investigation hadn't even started yet. It, wow. His deputies hadn't even infiltrated the school yet, and he's already talking about grabbing our guns. Wow! So. This is this is who he is. He's a leftist. Um, never let a disaster go to waste. Never let a crisis go to waste. And this is his moment to shine. And my, I suspect he's looking for higher office. I've always thought yeah, that. About I, I will tell you, Eric. Thank you very much. I will tell you that 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 makes sense. If he is a just a political animal, he's not a law enforcement guy. Just a political animal. This is your chance to be embraced by the left and the elites. And this is the same thing the guy from Duke thought. Yes. He wanted higher office. Mike Nifung? Mm, yeah, Nifung. Yeah. And he, same Good exact thing. Recall. Big, 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 uh, you know, increase of his head, right? His, yeah. he, he wanted a bigger office. He made a big deal out of the Duke Lacrosse thing when it started falling apart. He started lying about it. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying that this, we don't know yet. We but, don't know. But, I mean, you, you watched him on stage with Dana Number one, you could tell, as the caller just said, that he was a leftist. I mean, it, certainly oh, yeah. at least a big chunk of him was leftist uh, because, you know, he was the one. Ch- I mean, you almost waited for him to say, who's with me on the guns? Like yeah. It was like he was just like trying to rally people for that cause. Yeah. Rather than, uh, you know, you he should, wasn't how, acting like a law enforcement exactly. official. How many times so here's the thing. Let's go back and play. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, then come back and play that exchange. Uh, at the town hall meeting with Dana. 
because Dana had the facts and he was doing everything he could just to get stay with the crowd, stay with the crowd, mm-hmm. stay with the crowd and discredit her. When we now have the facts of the 39 uh, calls to police, the 39 times, is that not enough? There's something wrong with this sheriff. And we'll, uh, we'll go back and play in case you missed that, that exchange with the sheriff and Dana Lash in just a minute. Glenn. Back. Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If we feel the totality of the circumstances rises to the level where we're concerned this person might be mentally ill, we need the power to take every firearm they have away from them and bring them to a mental health facility. 39 visits did not meet that standard. 39 visits, assaulting students, assaulting parents, taking bullets and knives to school. Did that not meet that standard? Well, which, which, which are you speaking about specifically? You seem to know about all 39. Well, there's, I know there's one Florida statute well, where if he's no, sending me, messages me threatening, if he's sending messages threatening to kill people, that right there under Florida state law. Who did he send the message to kill people to? BuzzFeed, AP, Reuters, Yahoo News, no, all what, reported that what, was to other students. Who is the victim? It was, well, it was Reuters sent to other students. Dana, Reuters can't be a victim. The only person who could be they a were victim is an individual. Them. Sheriff is what so I'm if saying. an individual was threatened and it was real, that's a crime. But it, if he's posting yes, things... they were if, threatened with death. They were threatened that they were going to bleed. They were threatened that, that, that they were going to be killed. Well, what's your specific case? And he had already taken bullets and knives to school. He had already assaulted people. He assaulted his parents. He assaulted one. other students. 39 visits. And this was known what, to the, 30, the, to the intelligence and law enforcement community. You're, now, I'm not, look, I'm not saying that you can be everywhere at once, no. but this is what I'm talking you're, you're about. We have lit, to follow up on these red flags. You're, you're not the litmus that meets test. The, doesn't you, that meet the You're standard? absolutely not the litmus test for what? how law enforcement should follow up. You're wrong. There weren't 39 visits. Some of them they were GOA some of them called from other states to say there were 39 visits I don't know where you got those facts but you're completely wrong did they report it inaccurately they they reported inaccurately so the crowd is cheering when she says media because they think that it's Fox News it was CNN CNN that reported that and many others yeah but I mean CNN I believe (laughs) was first right so give me the 39 give me the 39 visits so I part of it is there were 39 visits reported by CNN I don't know that all of them were in Broward County eventually the sheriff gets to that as his 15th Mm -hmm. line of defense he says Mm -hmm. well I don't think all of them were here and I I think that's I don't think he was there for all seven years where these went on here's the here's the ones just from uh, since 2016 okay february 5th 2016 broward sheriff's office deputies told by an anonymous caller that uh this killer then 17 had threatened on instagram to shoot up his school and posted a photo of himself with guns information was there forwarded to uh to jeez to bso deputy scott peterson oh boy a school resource officer at this at the high school Okay, so this is Scott Peterson, the guy who was cowering behind the uh, uh, the, the the concrete wall. At least that's how it's you know we, this, that's what we know right now. Okay, uh, September twenty third, twenty sixteen, a peer counselor reports to Peterson that uh, this shooter had uh, possibly ingested gasoline in a suicide attempt. Man, I wish this went differently. Uh, was cutting himself and wanted to buy a gun. 
Uh, a mental health counselor advises against involuntary uh, committing of this student. Uh, the high school says it will conduct a threat assessment. Uh, five days later, an investigator... Look at how many warning signs. He makes, they take our children with a class two lookalike firearm, otherwise known as a finger gun. They take our children and they, they scare the hell out of them. But here's a kid that goes on Facebook, says, I'm going to kill people in school. Then I'm going to kill myself. He has guns. They know about it. We'll investigate. Are you, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's incredible. Five days later, investigator for the Florida Department of Children and Families rules Cruz, Cruz, uh, the killer is stable def- despite fresh cuts on his arms. His mother. He's stable. His mother says in the past he wrote a racial slur against African-Americans on his book bag and then recently talked about buying firearms. Uh, A year later, uh, a YouTube user, as we know, with the exact name of this killer, posts a comment stating he wants to become a professional school shooter. The comment is reported to the FBI, which fails to make the connection to South Florida. In fact, doesn't even go through the process to send it to uh, South Florida. November 1st, 2017, uh, Catherine Blaine the cousin of this killer calls uh, to report that the, that he had weapons and asks that police recover them. A close family friend agrees to take the firearms. Uh, November 29th, Palm Beach County family that took in this killer after the death of his mother calls the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office to report a fight between him and their son, 22 years old. A member of the family says the killer had threatened to get his gun and come back and that he has put guns to others' heads in the past, end quote. The family does not want him arrested once he calms down. November 30th, 2017, a caller from Massachusetts calls uh, again uh, to report that the killer is collecting guns and knives and could be a school shooter in the making, end quote. A deputy advises the caller to contact the Palm Beach Sheriff. Caller to the, this is now January 5th of this year. Caller to the FBI tip line reports that Cruz, uh, it's all right. That this We're idiot, trying really hard, not, trying to really hard. The, yeah. not to use the killer's name. Uh, that this murderer had a desire to kill people and could potentially conduct a school shooting. Information never passed on to the FBI's office in Miami. On and on and on. 39 total. These are the last, this is the last batch of them with all the detail that directly you know relates to and that the within hours of this shooting the name is brought to the attention of the sheriff and the sheriff has a file on this kid right because they've now released 911 tapes i mean uh, about him uh, not from the shooting but from previous incidents uh where the police were activated let me go to mike also in florida he is a police officer in west palm beach hello mike how you doing, Glenn? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Long time listener, man. I've been uh, following you for many years, even when Thank you were you. on Fox. And uh, thank you. A few points I'd like to make. Uh, part of the problem is the state attorneys, the sheriff's office, the police departments. They handcuff us so much when we're trying to do our job that nothing gets done. They put these restrictions on cops. They say one thing: we're going to have felonies. We're going to do great things. We're going to look into these things. We do, and then nothing happens. And therein lies the problem. So uh, tell me, because there there is uh, speculation that uh, there were there were restrictions put on uh, the cops and self-imposed on the sheriffs 
for a myriad of reasons that actually uh, kind of help grow this situation. Have you heard anything? I don't want to get more specific than that because we're still verifying. But have you heard anything like that? No, it's 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 even on a broader scale than what we're talking about now. It's from your basic burglaries to your gun calls to your guns in schools. We sweep these problems under the rug because they don't want the attention brought to the schools. Mm-hmm. It's a negative reflection on the school to have these problems. Look at the community Parkland is. It's affluent kids. It's a nice area. I used to live about 15 minutes and work about 15 yeah, minutes away from there. It's, I mean, it's it's a nice area. It's, a, I mean, you, and of course, great. yeah. I, I, there's a lot of rep- um, a lot of people speculating about, you know, some of the uh, reporting standards that went along with this, and we're looking into some of that um, to see how much there is to it. There's a lot going on around the internet on, you know, maybe the motivations of these officers or, or, or of this program. Yeah, um, not the officers leads to. Uh, bad incentives i would say um so we are looking into that stuff as we as we go on here uh, but it, you know it's important to confirm before we go into it mike do you know anything about scott peterson um no uh, you know just just from what you hear i mean don't know him personally i mean was he a is local news doing anything on him was he a is it possible that this was a, a vet that had ptsd or no um but i'm what I hear from the guys yeah. is, uh, you know, you it's hard to judge an officer, what they do, how they do, how yeah. they respond, yeah. what's going through their head, where they're located. And as soon as they get a scapegoat, one of these political guys, yeah. even our sheriff, where does the blame go? It goes immediately to the guy on the street. It doesn't go to the underlying problem that maybe the school should have two cops. Maybe um, we should have a quicker response times. Maybe we shouldn't have deputies lining up, having to get clearances before we go into an active shooter situation. Thanks, Mike. These, I, are, these are the problems. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let me go to Steve in South Carolina. Hello, Steve. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? Great. I, I really appreciate all that you've done, and, and I've been listening to your program for a very, very, very long time. Thank you. Yes. Um down here in South Carolina, we had a police officer that shot an unarmed black man, uh, I think it was about roughly two years ago. Yeah. And I would get in debates with my friends uh, about anything that really needs to happen. I'm, I'm a 100% disabled vet, retired military. I've been over seven times for combat, all wow. special forces. Wow, thank you. And I appreciate that. And it's all training. It's all training. And if someone, if that would have happened uh, in the military, not only would that person who shot the, the unarmed guy gotten fired and disciplined, but everybody above him would have been disciplined. And so if, wait, wait, wait. So the, the sheriff that froze, everyone above him would have been disciplined? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the main reason for that is, then someone will come in, someone else, and emphasize training. And after years of basically every leadership getting in trouble, leadership will start understanding that they're responsible for all their deputies. And then they'll start training them harder. They'll start making sure they go to the right classes. They'll make sure they're ready instead of just throwing them out there and saying, well, if he gets in trouble, that's him. Um, Steve, is would you understand if he was a vet and this was PTSD? Not, not understanding the the sheriff for putting him in that situation, 
uh, and not seeing that that could be a possibility. But could you see that that is a possibility of of something that happened? I I hate to say yes or no to that question, just because I obviously I have severe PTSD, yeah. and I've run into situations afterwards since I've been out where I run right towards the problem still. And, um, but I have no idea what he's been through. I don't know what, I just don't understand how you didn't run into that school kids, how you didn't bust through all the kids who are obviously running out and then go through a window. You didn't do whatever it took to get in there is beyond me. And, And again, you do have a point. However, if he was going through the right training, yeah, the sheriff should have seen that. Yes, and said, we need to pull you off of this, give you another, give you another job, or we need to have you out of here. Steve, thank you very much. I I appreciate it, and uh, um, I'm sorry for your your loss of um, the use of your body. Um, but my children uh, uh, have a chance to be free and make the case for freedom because of your sacrifice, and I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you very much. So I want to talk to talk to you a little bit about your car or your truck. If you're like me, I I like to drive my trucks until the doors fall off. I I buy one and then uh, it just drives and drives and drives and drives. Uh, and when it stops working and literally I can't repair it anymore, then we'll take it to the scrap heap. Um, this is why I have uh, warranty with Car Shield. I have a couple of old trucks. We have them at the farm, and we use them all the, all the time. We we transport our cattle. We you know um, are driving you know up into the hills uh, with fence posts and everything else with them. I need a car that is going to be dependable, but they're long out of warranty. That's why I have Car Shield because it saves me so much money. I had a sensor go wrong on one of uh, the trucks, and it was a thousand dollars. That's insanity. A new a new fuel pump is five hundred dollars. Water pump thousand dollars. Here's what you need to do: if your car is out of warranty, they have uh, Car Shield has plans that cover your car's computer, the GPS, the electronics, everything. And you can have your favorite mechanic or the dealership uh, paid directly. You're not waiting for a check. They pay them directly. So save yourself from the high repair bills. Get your car covered or your truck covered by Car Shield before something goes wrong. I want you to call 1-800-CAR-6100. 1-800-CAR-6100 and mention the promo code BECK or visit carshield.com. Use the promo code BECK, save 10%. That's carshield.com. Promo code BECK. A deductible may apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Very excited to have Jordan Peterson on with us. Uh, he's coming up in just about 10 minutes from now. Jordan Peterson is is on fire uh, in, in probably one of the biggest Internet uh, sensations uh, that is around today. Uh, and he's just talking common sense. I mean, it's coming from a professor, a Canadian professor talking common sense. We're going to talk to him a little bit about toxic masculinity. That's the new catchphrase. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, that was what you know, that that's one of the problems, right? That happened in Florida was toxic max masculinity. This gun culture is 
is just nothing but toxic masculinity. Um, also, love to get his thoughts on uh, from from a guy who is not involved in American politics and is in Canada watching, looking in. How he views our discourse and the discourse that we've had here in the last week about this, in particular, the CNN um, uh, town hall meeting. We'll talk to him coming up in just a few minutes. You don't want to miss it. Let me go to Joe in Tennessee. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Very good. Hey, I was just calling in, um, you know, right after this shooting happened, our local county here in Nashville um, school district shut all the schools down and they had all of the teachers go up to um, a, a meeting mm-hmm. where the superintendent and the sheriffs were there. And the whole talk was about what we're going to do in the school and all that. And, and one of the things that the superintendent comes right out and says was, you know, we're not going to make our schools prisons and we're not going to do such and such. And I'm like, you know, with everything that's going on, it's like you're just throwing out the one of the solutions to this problem of of the things that the secure the security measures we need to take in the schools yeah i mean our 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 airports are like prisons uh our banks are like prisons anything that we're trying to protect museums are like prisons the capital is like a prison the white house is like a prison our air force bases are like a prison Our Navy bases are like prisons. If you're wanting to protect something, you have to have the right measures in place. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. France is no longer free. Marion Le Pen took the stage at CPAC yesterday, spent the first several minutes of her speech destroying the EU. She lamented about lost sovereignty at the hands of Brussels and advocated a new global slogan, America first, Britain first, and France first. I searched around yesterday after she left the stage to see what people were saying, and by and large, nobody was saying anything. The conservative media and voices were all but silent. It's probably because everything she said sounded a little like the Republicans today. Anti-EU and large trade organizations. Yep. Anti-immigrant. Yep. Skeptical of Muslim immigrants. Yep. For big government. Yep, 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 yep. Now, here's why this is scary. All of these issues I just said, mega trade alliances, immigration and Muslim migrants are actual legitimate issues. Sovereignty is a legitimate issue. In fact, it's a big reason why Trump won, because he gave voice to those concerns that I hold and many in this audience hold. By and large, they have been ignored and belittled for decades And so you look for somebody strong enough to battle that monster. And the longer we're belittled and the longer we're ignored, the bigger our monster needs to be. If you watched Marion Le Pen yesterday, you saw something the new American right hasn't had in, well, maybe ever. A young female photogenic firebrand. There she was at CPAC, flashing that million-dollar smile and giving the crowd absolutely everything they wanted to hear. At one point, they started chanting, Viva la France! Viva la France! 
let's get one thing straight right now. The far right in Europe has nothing in common with American conservatism. These people and groups are ethno-nationalist populists. That is not a good thing. We've seen this in the 1930s. The only thing they're concerned with is using real issues like trade, the economy, immigration, the loss of sovereignty, and focusing people's rage. That's how monsters are born. That's how it happened in the 1930s. That's how you gain power. And when they get that power, they're not really interested in reducing the size and scope of government. They expand it through control. The massive welfare state and aggression, that is national socialism. There is a global effort right now among the far uber ultra far right all over the world to link themselves to the success of Donald Trump. Now, I get that they would want to try to emulate the success and ride on coattails, but we should not be helping them do it. The European far right, which has more in common with the neo-Nazi and alt-right than anything else, was actually giving a speech to American conservatives yesterday. They're being legitimized and co-opted into the American right. Let me make this really clear. This is dangerous and not the American conservative movement. The American conservative movement does not hate immigrants. It welcomes those who want to come to America because they see that what we have and what we have is freedom and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and law and order. They want to come here because they know they can make themselves and us into something bigger and better. We want those people. We believe in free trade and economic freedom. We believe in our country. We believe in the Irish being Irish and the French being French and the British and Americans being Americans. We believe that. But not if it's built on rage and hatred. It's why we don't really necessarily believe right now that Iran should be Iran. We believe in personal salvation, not collective. We believe in personal responsibility, not collective. That is the center of the American conservative movement. If the American right marches behind a flag instead of the Constitution and Bill of Rights, it is over. This co-opting of the European right and the alt-right must end now. It's Friday, February 23rd. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Dr. Jordan Peterson, who would have thought that a, a that common sense would come from a university professor from Canada, but he is probably the, the biggest sensation out there now, with especially with the youth and young males, because he is speaking common sense and he's speaking it peacefully and uh, he's talking about God 
And he's got a best-selling book out, number one bestseller, uh, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. Welcome to the program, Dr. Jordan Peterson. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I know. A university press probably comes here. Uh, we're, you're breaking up. We had this problem last time. I don't know where you were staying, standing last time, but can you stand there because you're breaking up and we can't understand you? Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you now, yes. Okay, good. Oh, yes. I said, well, a Canadian and a university professor, the end times must be near. <laughs> yes, it is the clippity-clop of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, we, I want to talk to you about a few things. We hear, and I, know, I don't want to you know, get you into politics, just common sense. Um, I don't know if you've been following, uh, for instance, the CNN town hall this week and this debate that we're having um, but we have 16-year-olds that uh, are demanding that America pretty much disregards the Second Amendment. And the, we're not having sensible arguments at all. There's, there's, there's no reason um, in, 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 in the debates that we're having. We're not listening to each other. Do you have any thoughts well, on I this? Think that can be, well, I think that that can be, that's true on a much wider scale than than merely the debate that's going on about what happened after Parkland. We're not listening to each other at all. We're polarized in, to a great degree. So how do, how do we solve this? Well, you know, I've been recommending, first of all, I would say that in, in my book, in 12 Rules for Life, in Rule 6, I outlined why such things as the Parkland school shooting occur. And it has very little to do specifically with guns. There's something much deeper and more horrible going on that, that 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 is rather dreadful to look at. I mean, people who are motivated to do the sorts of things that happen at Parkland are are they're possessed by a kind of ill will, an evil ill will whose magnitude is difficult to describe. And it's a problem of disorientation and meaninglessness, and it's expressing itself in gun violence, but it can express itself in all sorts of ways. And, and the problem the deeper problem has to be solved as far as I'm concerned. And that's the problem of, of nihilism in the face of the tragedy of life. And it's that kind of destructive nihilism that drives the actions of people like the school, school shooters. So it's very difficult for us to have an intelligent conversation about that because nobody wants to look at the darkness enough to, to actually understand what motivates people like, like the shooters. And it's not surprising, you know, but we, we, and what if, happens then, of course, is that the discussion gets politicized and it, it goes down the same rails that it's always gone down. Yeah. The Democrats say their thing and the, and, the, and the Republicans say their thing. And it never really ends up, the discussion never really ends up being about the school shootings, for example. So, Well, I, you know, I've, I've been saying um, all week, you know, I started um, uh, the, the week with a monologue on, you know, nobody even wants to talk about uh, seven out of the nine shooters that were under uh, 30 uh, came from fatherless homes. Um, right. I mean, we have a breakdown. Yeah, well, there's, well, there's definitely something there, I, I would say, because these these men, these young men, they they lack purpose and direction. And that's really not a good thing because life is very difficult. It, as, as the religious sages have always had it, life is suffering. And you need to set something positive against that suffering or it corrupts you. And when it corrupts you, you become vengeful and vindictive. 
and murderous and genocidal. Like that, those are the stages. And that the school shooters are two thirds of the way to genocidal by the time they, they perform their actions. Well, how do we? And it's because they, they turn against life because life is so difficult and they have nothing to set, nothing positive to set against it. It's a real catastrophe. We, we, and the fact that we're idiot, we're, we're transforming ourselves into ideologues, both on the right and the left, is a reflection of the same problem, is that because people lack genuine engaged meaning in their own personal lives, in large part because they don't understand how necessary it is to take responsibility, they turn to pseudo-solutions. And an, ideo- an ideo- ideology, right or left, is a pseudo-solution to the problem of meaning in life. And it's very dangerous. So we saw that in the 20th century, as, as you pointed out just before our talk. How do we find how do we find meaning um, as a group when I mean, especially with young men, there is a concerted effort, at least it seems, to eviscerate men. The the new catchphrase is toxic masculinity. Yeah. Oh, I know. Twelve rules for life, which is rule eleven. Father, children, when skateboarding—you know—it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek title, but it's a very, very serious chapter, and it's about the the confusion between masculine confidence and masculine charity. You know, the, the problem is. Uh, we're, you know what? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to take a you're gonna have to take a break and see if we can get you to a, a better space so we can hear you. You're you're breaking up again, um, so <laughs> we're gonna send you a hardwired phone. That's what we have to do. Um, we'll come back in just a second. More with Jordan Jordan Peterson. It is so frustrating when he's when he's on with us because there's nobody I want to hear every single word of more than Jordan Peterson. One of the chapters is speak precisely, and yet we can <laughs> yeah. never hear what he's saying. It's like, yeah, and with that, that's really what you really need to remember. Um, blinds.com is the best at what they do. Instead of uh, instead of me telling you let me uh, read a letter that came in from one of our uh, one of our listeners he said i heard about glenn uh, glenn talking about blinds.com uh, i took his suggestion it had amazing service quick delivery and installation was a breeze they look fantastic so i ordered more 2 weeks later i feel exactly the same blinds.com the perfect blind shutters shades or drapes you can get them to upgrade your home at an unbelievable price you're going to get free samples free shipping free design consultation plus they're going to guide you through the installation step by step so find out for yourself why over 20 million americans have trusted blinds.com making them the number one online retailer of custom window coverings and now through february 25th what's the date today uh february 23rd 23rd, two more days. Save up to 20% site-wide when you go to blinds.com slash back. That's blinds.com slash back. Do it now. Blinds.com slash back. Rules and restrictions do apply. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Jordan Peterson joining us now on a landline. Thank you, Jordan. I'm sorry for the uh, hassle on that. Um, no, no problem. Uh, so so uh, let's pick the conversation up um, uh, where we were, where we left it off. 
um, and that's toxic masculinity and and how do we find meaning how do how do young men find meaning in their life when society is is tearing them down and saying you know you're you're bad you're worthless you're not needed yeah well it's part of an all-out assault as far as i can tell in some sense mostly from the radical left on the idea of competence itself and there's a confusion between tyranny and power and competence you know in in our society which is a pretty free society so let's say western societies most of our hierarchies are mostly predicated on competence which means that if you can do the job you tend to rise in the organization now that's contaminated a little bit with tyranny and power of course because no no organization is perfect and what we have is a claim essentially from the radical left that male competence is indistinguishable from male tyranny and power and so that it should be all torn down not only the hierarchies but the but the spirit that generated the hierarchies and that's fundamentally the masculine spirit even symbolically and psychologically speaking so what we see is an, an all-out assault on the masculine spirit and that was actually that was actually formalized by Jacques Derrida he called western culture phallogocentric phallo from phallus and logo from logos so it was male dominated and driven by logos and of course that's the christian word and also the root idea behind the behind the word logic and so it is part of an all-out intellectual and an all-out war of ideas and the people who are bearing the brunt of that at the moment are i would say young men yeah it's really not good so what is so what is the the end goal is it i mean is it as clear as it seems to be that it is the end goal uh, and the 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 motivation is just to destroy the the west can you can you find any logic in there that is that is well, if you more buy than the that? Idea, look, if you buy the idea that the West is a corrupt patriarchy, and then that's the logical, that's the logical end goal. I mean, the, the more radical disciplines at the universities, as women's studies and, and, and those sorts of disciplines, have said for decades that their goal was the destruction of the patriarchy. It's like it's very often, you know, that people tell you what they're doing. You just have to listen to them. I mean, if you read the school shooters' documents, like the kids from Columbine High School, they told you exactly why they did what they what they did. If you go onto the websites and read um, the curricula and the dictates of women's studies uh, uh, disciplines at universities, they tell you exactly what they're doing. If the West is a corrupt patriarchy, then the right thing to do is to tear it down. So it's not it's not a surprise and it's not a conspiracy theory. It's it's just precisely what what's that's the doctrine. That's the dogma. And the university, especially the humanities departments, are overwhelmingly uh, left and radical left. So, That's been well documented by people like Jonathan Haidt with his heterodox academy. And Jonathan is an extraordinarily reasonable person. He's no one's idea of a radical. Yeah. I, so, I, 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 I greatly respect him. Who is, uh, uh, Jordan, who are the people that we should be reading besides you and your book? Who are the people that inspire you or it can inspire men to be to be men? Well, you could, I think I think that Steven Pinker is is doing a fine job. He has a new book out now. Um, it's in the top 10. So Pinker's a good person to read because Pinker's making a very 
powerful pro-enlightenment, pro-reason, pro-science, pro-progress case, well-documented empirically. I mean, the empirical evidence is pretty clear, although there is some evidence that inequality is increasing. First of all, no one knows what to do about that, right or left. There's a new book by Walter Scheidel called The Great Leveling, which I would also much recommend it because, much, because he analyzes the problem of inequality with dead seriousness and, and traces it back ten, thousands of years and points out quite clearly that it's a problem, but that it can't be laid at the feet of capitalism. That's just foolish. It's a way deeper problem than that. And, but despite the fact that there's increasing inequality to some degree in the West, overall the entire world is getting richer and, and there are fewer poor people. There are way fewer people in absolute poverty than there were 15 years ago, far fewer. And so what's happening is our economic system is generating a lot of surplus and it's being quite effectively distributed even to the lowest end of the socioeconomic spectrum, but inequality still remains a problem. And, you know, that drives a fair bit of theorizing on the left, but I would, I would very much recommend Scheidel's book, uh, The Great Leveling. It's, it's very bright. And, and then there's, there's Pinker. And then, you know, I'm very much a fan of, of, of great classic literature. I'm a great admirer of Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky's novels in particular are unbelievably profound explorations of the role of human responsibility in the face of the tragedy and malevolence of existence. So, and I have a reading list at jordanbpeterson.com that has about 40 books on it that I've recommended that some of them are psychological in nature and others are literary. Some are philosophical. So, so let me take a, let me take a quick break and then I want to come back and, and would you define what a good man is? What, what is the goal to be a man and what does a good man look like when we come back with Jordan Peterson? Glenn Beck, Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jordan Peterson uh, is with us. He is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. I can't recommend that you read this highly enough. Welcome, Jordan, uh, Jordan Peterson. Can you describe uh, what we all should be shooting for as a man? Yes, yes. So I was thinking about an image related to that. So there's a cathedral in Montreal called St. Joseph's Oratorio, and it's built on a hill. It's a very large cathedral, so it overlooks the hill. It's a beautiful building. And then there are many, many steps leading up to it, hundreds of steps, and Pilgrims come there to, to trudge up the steps one at a time towards the cathedral, and there's something deeply symbolic about that. The, the idea that's being expressed is, is, is profound and, and necessary, and that is that we all need a vision of the way that, that life and the world could be. We want to have a vision that, that that could be as good as it could be, the least amount of suffering and the most for everyone and the most freedom for everyone and the best for everyone. And the question is, how do you approach an idea like that? And the answer to that is by carrying your burden one step at a time up the hill. And that's what you do in life. You're not a victim. 
Or if you are, you carry it. You know, and you take responsibility for it. And you're someone other people can rely on. And you tell the truth. And that way you make the world a little better instead of worse. And that's the alternative to ideological possession and collective action and, and, and group hatred and tribalism and all those things that tear us apart is to accept that your life is tragic and that you'll suffer and that there's evil in the world and that it's your, it's your responsibility to take that onto yourself and to carry it forward towards the good. That's meaning in life. And that's the antidote to chaos and to catastrophe. And, and the West knows this. This is, why, this is why we're an individualist culture, because we know that the individual has to be set above the group. But it's not the individual in all his rights. It's the, indi- it's the individual in all his responsibility. Mm. And that's the part of, of the dialogue that's missing from our culture currently. And I believe that's why my book has become so popular, and the lectures as well, because because I'm telling people, suggesting to people, and particularly, but not only, to young men, that they need to accept as much responsibility as they can tolerate and then build themselves into people who can tolerate even more responsibility. Uh, and to, and, to, be, and to, to accept that gratefully, because that's where the purpose and meaning in life is. Jordan, I, I have... I have um... I've gone from a man, you know, for, for a while I, I rejected that I have I had changed a great deal um, in the last couple of years. But I, I have. And I've gone from a guy um, that was very popular because I was certain of things to a guy who now really appreciates doubt uh, and is and, and I, I kind of view certitude as a. Uh, as a as a dangerous thing, uh, because if I'm certain of what I believe, then I don't necessarily believe, you know, anybody else has me has anything to teach me or uh, and and yet I find I think this is the message of Christ is is humility. Um, and and yet. Well, the people humility get, is that like if things aren't everything they should be for you and around you, then clearly you don't know enough. Correct. But right? we, and so then you better be looking for what you don't know, and that's the opposite of certainty. We, 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 we are in a situation now that um, uh, we, it, it almost feels like we don't trust that the truth will eventually win, that God is uh, on the side of truth. And so we have to engage in this warfare, and and we're engaging online. We're engaging in tribalism, uh, and and the, the 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 answer seems to be in the opposite direction. Of yeah, well, we're trying to transform the political system into a tribal battlefield. That's what identity politics is, and that can be accepted on the right as well. The identitarians accept identity politics. They just want to play it differently. It's division into tribes, and it's a catastrophe. Division into tribes means that we'll fight. It's always been that way. Human tribes have always fought, and, and terribly. You know, there's an old idea that the hunter-gatherer types, that the, 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 pre, the pre-materialist, pre-capitalist hunter-gatherer types were peaceful. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Yeah. They have incredibly high male-on-male homicide rates. 
tribal people are unbelievably murderous, and we're all tribal, except when we decide not to be. And to decide not to be tribal is to decide to be an individual, but that means to take all the weight of things onto your own shoulders. And who wants that? Right? It's, a, it's a terrible responsibility, but the, the, the paradoxical truth of the matter is, is that the more you take on that terrible responsibility, the deeper your life becomes. But the, and that justifies the suffering. But the more you take on, the bigger target. I, I, I want to read, read this to you. This is a, um, uh, an article out of the Mercury News in California. Uh, these men, particular Elon Musk, are not only heavily invested <clears throat> in who can get their uh, rocket into space first, but into colonizing Mars. The desire to colonize, to have unquestioned, unchallenged, and automatic access to, to something to any type of body and use it as will is a patriarchal one. Um, it is the same instinctual and cultural force that teaches men that everything and everyone in their line of vision is theirs for the taking. They're, they're, they're destroying yep. a guy like Elon Musk who's like, look, I, I believe these things and I think we can be better than this and this gives right. me hope. Let's go here. Right, absolutely. And, and there, see, that's a, that's a great, that's, that's, your, your, your reference hits the nail on the head. You see there the confusion between male confidence and desire to, to move forward in the world and tyranny. Those aren't the same thing. No, they're not the same thing at all. And Musk is no tyrant. And if you can't see that he's a hero, then there's something wrong with your vision. And, you know, in, symbolically, the author of that article is equating Mars with the unspoiled virgin, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Musk with the rapist. It, it's an appalling vision of masculinity. There's no excuse for it. it, it there's Wait. no excuse for it. it it's all, there's nothing in that except destruction. When do we... When... Good, good men do things for themselves and, and for everyone else at the same time. That's the right balance. When do we you want to do something that's good for you and good for your family and good for the community and good for the surrounding world all at the same time? And you can do that, and that takes competence and clear vision and truth. And those aren't, that's not tyranny. And those people, the people who wrote the article that you described, they're the people who think that emasculated weak men will be good because they're harmless. And emasculated weak men will be the Parkland shooters. That's the truth of the matter. When do we begin to uh, see this for what it is? Let me ask you this question. It, it, are we closer to the end of this kind of thinking and movement, or are we closer to the end of the beginning of it? I don't know. You know, there's been this funny idea that's been circulating on the Internet about the, the kingdom of Kekistan, where everything's in chaos. And we're in chaos at the moment. Things could go very well, but they could go very badly. And, and I think we're in a situation now where the decisions that each person makes at each moment are of, of, of crucial import in a way that's not always true. We're going to decide which, of, which way we're going to go in the next three or four years. And there's lots of positive signs. All the economic growth, for example, that I referred to, that the fact that poverty is being pushed back and there's about 300,000 people a day now being hooked to the power grid. And like, there are a lot of really good things happening. But 
there is this terrible polarization and this demand to return to a destructive tribalism and this ideological attempt led mostly by the universities to my utter shame to demolish the patriarchy. It's very, very dangerous. And corporations are playing that game too. They're letting the fifth column, diversity, equity, and inclusivity types in through the HR back door, failing to see that generating an anti-capitalist fifth column within the confines of your own organization is self-destructive in the extreme. How do you, how do you, um, I, I've watched interviews with you in mainstream media and they always come with a, uh, with an intent, with an agenda. It seems you approach these interviews without an agenda and you're just trying to explain what you believe based on their questions. Um, and you always seem to win because you don't, seem to have an agenda truth doesn't have an agenda um it, it, would you I say have that an agenda which is to not say something stupid yes yes <laughs> yes yes um it, it, do you believe the mainstream media has crossed the line from bias to activism and if so what does that well, mean well, I think for the, the media might, well i think one of the things that might be happening is that we're in a transition period from the mainstream media print and television let's say most particularly to online forms of yeah. discussion and that's happening very rapidly and and so it's killing the mainstream media and as they spiral towards their death they become more polarized to draw attention to their remaining resources and so they're driving polarization in the broader society in an attempt to stave off their extinction rather than adapting to the new media that's what I, I'm not sure that's true, but that's what it looks like. It looks like it might be happening to me because we are in the midst of a technological revolution in communication. Yes. yes. I mean, YouTube alone now has something in the neighborhood of 2 billion people using it. Yeah. So it's, and, and YouTube allows the possibility of the spoken word to have the same distribution as the written word, which is something unparalleled in, in human history. So I, I think that part of what's happening is a secondary consequence of a technological revolution. I don't think that the mainstream media's desperate attempts to use clickbait, let's say, to attract additional viewership, to, to exaggerate, for example, the danger of violent crime and to pit the right against the left in a manner that's more uh, combative than the reality would, would indicate. I don't think that that will stave off their demise. I think it will accelerate it. But there could be a lot of collateral damage while that's occurring. Jordan Peterson um, from jordanpeterson.com. Uh, also, uh, the uh, book 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. Did you ever, you have, you have like, uh, you're approaching a million YouTube subscribers, a number one New York Times bestseller. Did you ever see this? I don't think I'm on the New York Times. They didn't list me. Shut up. You, no, it's, it's Amazon. You're, well, you're number one. I, uh, yes, I'm that's number one everywhere, but on the New York Times bestseller Unbelievable. List. Unbelievable. It is rather remarkable. Yeah. Um, Jordan, did you, ever, did you ever see anything like this coming your way? Well, I knew when I wrote my first book, this book, Maps of Meaning, I was discussing archetypal ideas and their relationship to ideological dispute. And I knew that was important. And, and I knew that my students in the course I taught on that book were very, very receptive to the course. I mean, most of the student comments I got, both at Harvard and at the University of Toronto, was that that was one of the few courses that completely changed students' lives. 
And, and it's not surprising to me to some degree because of the ideas themselves. Ancient archetypal religious ideas are abs- of absolute necessity. People can't live without them. And so I knew that I was talking about things that, that have always been of crucial importance to people, but there was no way of foreseeing the magnitude of, of the effect of that. I mean, it's, I'm still in complete shock about right. it on a moment-to-moment basis. Well, we uh, it seems to be getting larger rather than smaller. Oh yeah, you you have a lot of uh, runway yet ahead of you. I I pray for you, and I I uh, I know what it's like to have great success come quickly. And uh, and if there was anyone who could navigate those waters, I believe it it, it is you. And we well, wish you all the best. Thank you, thank you. Well, like I said, I hope I can manage this without making any catastrophic mistakes. And so. So far, so good. Yeah. Knock on wood and all that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. You can get Jordan on Twitter at Jordan B. Peterson. JordanBPeterson.com is where, by the way, that uh, reading list he mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, you can find that there. And I would say probably at the top of that reading list would be 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote for, to Chaos by Jordan Peterson. You know, it's amazing. I don't think I've ever interviewed a more careful man. Yeah. He, One of his rules is speak with pers- preciseness. Yeah. Uh, and um, you can hear it. He speaks slowly um, to not make any errors. If you're hiring, every business needs great people. And how do you find them? Well, you could post your job online and pray for the right people. But ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for and then identifies the people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. The invitations have revolutionized the way you're going to find your next hire. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just the first day. ZipRecruiter. It doesn't stop there. It also spotlights the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter. Find them now. Find that right hire with ZipRecruiter. Use it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. of ammunition and a powerful AR-15. Assault rifles out of the hands of people. I want this to be the end of the Second Amendment. The latest school shooting has ignited the gun debate. Now more than ever, you need to know the facts. Get Control, exposing the truth about guns on Amazon and wherever books are sold. So uh, I brought uh, Jordan Peterson to the table today. Who'd you bring, Stu? Uh, Charlie Warzel. He's coming up uh, next hour. He's... Uh, he, he political wrote, science guy. Yeah, wrote an amazing article about the, something you've been talking about for a while on AI and how it's going to change the way we get information. That you're not going to believe the information anything. apocalypse. Yes, that's oh, uh, yeah. that's you're great. It's, your, it's a you. late birthday present. So, thank you. <laughs> Coming up next, Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. Every once in a while, we need to take a step back. Everybody right now is screaming, fake news, fake news. Both sides are doing it. And in some ways, both sides are right. We're getting to a place 
that soon you're not going to be able to believe your eyes and ears. And people don't really realize this. There's a there's a guy who his name is Aviv Ovadaya. He predicted the fake news explosion. Um, and now he's saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But th- but that's just the beginning. That's nothing compared to what's on the recent or or a near horizon. Yeah. Uh, uh, infopocalypse, potentially. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great story about this in, in BuzzFeed uh, from Charlie Warzel. Uh, it's a story about what's coming next. Charlie Warzel is a reporter for BuzzFeed. Also writes something, one of my favorite things to read, which because it's about Infowars and sort of that conspiracy media, and it's his last name is Warzel. It's called Info Warzel, which is the greatest name of all time. It's a newsletter, and it's really worth your your attention as well. Uh, he joins us now from uh, from Montana. Charlie, is that where you are? That's right, Missoula, Montana. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, so, Charlie, um, I can't seem to get people to really get their arms around uh, the idea that soon we're not going to even know what reality is, and we don't. We won't care. Well, it's uh, it's complicated uh, to to some extent, but the the best way that that. I can describe it is that these sort of hall of mirrors that we are experiencing online right now with, um, as you guys were saying earlier, everyone sort of calling fake news with, um, with sort of bad actors acting in bad faith, putting out, you know, propaganda and content that's designed to manipulate um, that isn't true. Um, All those things that we see, you know, in our Facebook feeds, in Twitter right now, it's all going to potentially get far worse because the technology is going to uh, allow it to come from people that perhaps we know. So the, you know, the, uh, the fake news that, that you're seeing, the misinformation, the propaganda, uh, it, it could start coming from you know, a, a loved one. Uh, you, know, you could start getting emails from them telling you things that, that didn't happen that were you know, generated algorithmically. So, so it's not really that... Um, that something new is going to happen. It's that everything that's happening now, all this unrest, discord, confusion, and, and, and difficulty sort of parsing reality is going to become so much more sophisticated because what, of technology that hasn't even you know, been invented yet. Maybe. What do you mean that you're going to get, you know, you'll get something from your loved ones? Sure. Um, so uh, Aviv, the, the researcher uh, who uh, I spoke with, alongside many others who uh, are doing you know, really great work sort of understanding how these platforms work and, and, and the technology that's on the horizon, um, Aviv has this, uh, this term, and it's called uh, laser fishing. Um, so regular fishing or spear fishing is when you maybe get a link from something that you know, an email address that's a couple uh, characters off from somebody you know, and it's saying, hey, click this link, and, it, and then that link asks you for, you know, your password information. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a, a classic hacker trick. It's pretty low-tech. Um, this would sort of be something that would happen. Um, laser phishing is using um, AI and sort of this artificial intelligence and machine learning to understand things about you, understand the people that you talk to, the, the conversations you've had across social media with other people, mine all that information, and then use it to manipulate you. So instead of getting an email from someone who, uh, who you know, sounds like it, they could be someone you know, the email is going to 
come from ostensibly someone you know, and it's going to have information that's pertinent to you, information you were perhaps expecting to hear from. So you're going to be so much more likely to believe this information um, and then offer things up. If You know, there's a lot of people, uh, Nigerian princes on the Internet yeah, who are yeah. asking for money. But what if that person is your brother? And your brother, uh, you know, says he has uh, had a car accident and he's stuck and needs to, re- you know, repair his car because you were having a conversation about, you know, cars and uh, and money or something like that along the lines. So this is being able to manipulate people at the click of a, a you know, a mouse or a button um, in this algorithm, in this, uh, you know, artificial intelligence way. And I think that uh, I think that. We're, we're falling for, for the low-tech, lo-fi stuff right now. So it's going to be hard to imagine you know, how we can get up to speed on, on the other stuff. And the future of this, Charlie, is, is, goes even further than just, say, an email. It could be audio or video, video. coming from the, the people that you know convincing you to do something that winds up completely burning you. Absolutely. And I think you can see this you know, not just in people asking for money or you know, asking you for information, but... Um, you know, this can be this can be used to manipulate um, government and 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 diplomacy. Um, mm-hmm. It's not hard to envision, and many people have sort of already been talking about this. But it's not hard to envision. Um, any lawmaker has hundreds of hours of footage of themselves, either audio or video, on on the internet. Um, machine learning programs can take that, can absorb it, and then what they can what they can do with that is is produce very hard hard to verify and and real looking video of people saying anything so you know you could have a video of donald trump potentially down the line um really antagonizing in 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 an aggressive way um say north north korea um and and the stakes of that get higher and higher as you know the reaction times are are shorter and and, and people have mm. to respond. So you could really escalate, you know, political uh, and, and, you know, dip- diplomatic tensions uh, using this kind of technology. So I was, uh, I was talking about this um, at the beginning of the year, and uh, I laid out just some, some crazy predictions. And, and one of them was, if not this uh, election of 2018, by 2020, this will be used in an effective way. And we may not know about it until after the election. But we are that close to this kind of stuff uh, being used. Would you agree with that? Well, I think you know, with the with the artificial intelligence stuff, with the um, you know the video and audio manipulation, we may be a little further down the line from that. Because the real worry is not just that um, you know some incredibly sophisticated programmer, one-off type person is going to be able to use this who has you know access. Yes proprietary technology. The real thing is when it becomes democratized, when, you know, when you can manipulate, when anyone with, you know, two or three hours of, of you know, research on the internet can, can do this. Um, and that, I think we're a little bit further off, but not too far. There are some, um, some forums, there's a forum on the uh, site Reddit, um, mm-hmm. which is called Deepfakes. And it is yes. where people are manipulating uh, video right now. Some of it is is awful. Some of it is you know is pornographic and 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 
very disturbing, but others are just you can go and look for yourself are are funny you know people um putting nicolas cage's face on arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> uh, and, and it's, and it's i don't know why nicolas cage gets <laughs> is is this guy but he's on all his face is almost on everybody <laughs> he he's an internet uh sensation yeah but, he is but 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 you know it speaks to when people are kind of playing around with this having fun with it uh, doing it in their spare time because it's entertaining that is sort of a harbinger of something that's very scary, which is that, you know, you could, uh, in in two or three hours, figure out how to do this yourself. So, I think we're a little bit further than... than, than I, I think, you know, 2020, who I, knows, but it's definitely coming. I, I, I hope you're right. Um, tell me a little bit about what Aviv uh, talks about and describes as reality apathy. Sure. Um, I, it's basically the uh, the combination of all of this. Uh, that, that we're talking about, which is these sophisticated technological tools to sort of distort what's real and what's not to the point where you become overwhelmed by, you know, the idea of, all, say you're being laser fished by, you know, 20 people. And when you go online and try to click a news link, you're not sure where the source is coming from, whether it's, whether it's something you can trust, whether it's something you're not you're just besieged by what you believe is misinformation, but you can't even tell. Mm-hmm. So you start to disengage. You know, if, you're, if your inbox is something where, you, do, where you, you don't know what you're getting, what's real or what's not, you're going to maybe give up. And that is sort of the um, – that, that works also with, um, with diplomacy. If people start, um, you know, spoofing uh, calls to Congress to lobby their lawmakers about some, you know, political issue. Uh, if that happens in a in a spoof spoofing way so much that people can't um, get through on the on the lines, they're going to stop participating in 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 democracy in that particular way. They might, you know, stop going online and sharing their own opinions or feel uh, unsafe. They might just say, you know what. The news, it's not worth it for me. But going the and other that, but that's scary. But going the other way as well, if if you see a bunch of stuff that is fake and you don't know what to believe, uh somebody in power could actually be doing some really bad stuff and nobody would know. Nobody would pay attention. They'd say, Well, that's just fake because that's what the politician would say. Yeah, I mean an informed citizenry is a is a cornerstone of 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 democracy. So, uh, and so how do we inform ourselves going forward? How who is standing against this? How do we protect I mean you can't put the genie back in the bottle. What do we do? Well, I think, you know, this is why I wanted to highlight uh Aviv's work and and you know, I he's becoming labeled as sort of the person who called the, you know, the misinformation fake news crisis before uh, before it became a, a thing he's one of many there are there are you know dozens of of researchers like this who are lobbying tech companies thinking about this on sort of you know the vanguard of this of this movement and and i think you know journalists news organizations highlighting these people's work giving them a platform to talk about this is the first step the second step is really you know putting pressure on these technology companies and not just Facebook or Google or Twitter, but the, you know, the hardware makers, people like Adobe, who people like, you know, potentially Apple companies that are starting, that are going to be making this, this audio visual technology, um, 
and and making them sort of understand that innovation is okay, but we have to learn our lessons from you know this whole fake news situation that we're dealing with right now and build this technology responsibly with all of these sort of externalities baked in and understand what we can that these things can be abused so let's put in the safeguards now instead of later i think you could see it the tech companies at times uh be a little bit absorbed by self-interest but they're not nefarious actors right uh, my my issue with this is and when I try to find optimism in in the future here, Charlie, is that you know eventually you know state actors, uh, hacker groups, someone with actual nefarious intent that you can't go and lobby and you can't ha- you don't have people with with ethics trying to deal with are going to get control of this stuff and do things that can be really harmful and maybe irreversible. I think I mean that I think that that is is potentially true i mean all of this is it's difficult because you know we're in speculation territory it's difficult as a journalist you know writing about this without um going too far or you mm-hmm. know scaring people too much um but i mean i think what this what the last 18 months of sort of you know information crisis world that we're in should be teaching us right now is that this is everyone's problem lawmakers you know need to get smart on this stuff quick they need to you know be putting pressure on gotta happen (laughs) and i think they need to spend time you know really understanding this technology themselves and getting the government ready there's there's not a lot of you know um task forces here to combat uh computational propaganda or misinformation i mean look at look at Charlie, look how we're dealing with Russia. Nobody's, everybody's talking about, oh, well, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Russia, look at what Russia is doing. We can get to the rest of that. And, you know, if, if somebody did something, they should go to jail. But we're missing the point that Russia has come in and, and, and announced in advance what they were going to do. And they did it. I think that... Well, uh, State-sponsored actors, all of this, you know, is clearly manipulatable by them. And, and I think that we, I think that that's certainly one, one piece of the puzzle. I think that, I think that this technology, we've, we spent so long thinking that this technology is, is a, a universal positive, um, that there's no negative externalities to connecting the world. Um, and I think that that is, you know, that's a, a naive look at this, and I think that we need to sort of change the way that that we message about this technology. That it's just as much a force for um, for evil potentially as it is a force for for good and uh, and for you know the free circulation of information. Uh, so I think that some of it just has to do with our mindset with this. This is you know a new innovation is not. Uh, is not good just by by definition. Right. You have to you have to earn that. Charlie, I uh, I've been concerned about this uh, for a very long time, and I'm I was really glad to see your article, um, and and uh, the fact that it was on BuzzFeed and 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 people are reading it, uh, and I'd love to stay in touch with you and and have you on the program again as we as we follow the story. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Leave you with one last quote from Aviv Ovidiah, the expert Charlie talked to. Alarmism can be good. You should be alarmist about this stuff. 
We are so screwed, it's beyond what most of us can imagine. <laughs> Jeez, it's scary. Charlie uh, Warzel, we'll tweet it from at World of Stew, but he's at C Warzel on uh, Twitter, and you can get his uh, work at BuzzFeed. Uh, it's it's really interesting stuff. He dives into a lot of weird worlds, and it's, it's really compelling. Liberty Safe is a sponsor that uh, we've had for a very, very long time. Uh, and they not only make great safes, but they make it easy to own one, and they're made here in America. Right now at LibertySafe.com, you can buy a Liberty Safe at a great price and receive 12 months interest-free payments with zero down and zero APR. They even offer Liberty Safes for as low as $20 a month. Been working with Liberty for over eight years, almost 10 years now, and I will tell you, I've had one in my home longer than I've worked with them, and uh, I love them. They make the best-built safe in America, bar none. Peace of mind, lifetime warranty, in-home delivery service, all unmatched in the industry. The biggest complaint is I should have bought a bigger one. We have seen these survive fires where literally nothing in the house is left except the fireplace, the chimney, and the Liberty Safe. We've seen them picked up by tornadoes and dropped a couple of blocks away, and it's still closed and everything is safe. Do what I did. Have a Liberty Safe installed in your home for your guns, for your papers, for anything that you need to keep safe. Now you can get 12 months interest-free payments uh, for as low as $20 a month on approved credit. But you need to act now and protect what you value most. Your valuables are always protected with Liberty. LibertySafe.com. Go to LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So what do you do with information like that, Stu? What do you do with information? I I find it very difficult to find a path to optimism with that stuff because <laughs> as I kind of expressed to him, it's like, you know, I think we actually, I have a lot of faith in capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Where eventually these companies, I think will try, I think we will find in our best interests, mm-hmm. a lot of things that will push them in the right directions with it over time. I have a much different approach. Uh, belief when it comes to you know negative actors when it comes to terrorism when it comes to uh, nation states eventually somebody gets control of this and the information's so powerful whoever can pull off that first really good fake of that politician saying yeah. that thing they didn't say is yeah. going to be really devastating and it's going to be i mean can you imagine if someone came out like if if uh you know anthony weiner came out right and i mean he tried it said oh that was just a hack it was just a mm-hmm. hack nobody believed mm-hmm. him nobody believed mm-hmm. him and imagine if they had him on video and and, and he, it was lengthy and perfect and they said oh no that's been hacked that's not really me nobody's gonna believe them and the first time for a while yeah for right? a while for a few for a while and eventually we'll get to a point where oh my gosh this is happening and then nobody yeah. believes anything then which then, might be worse yeah then it's the, the, so the i mean can you believe Stu? we're here back in the 90s over 20 years ago yeah you and I were talking, and I said, there's going to come a time where it, it, digitally you'll be able to manipulate anything. You won't believe your ears. You won't believe your eyes. And we're here. Yeah. We're here. We're here right at the very beginning of it. I mean, there's so many great things. We just have to weather this storm. Um, you know, Ray Kurzweil, who has almost a 90% accuracy rate of his predictions since the 1970s, um, he believes that, quote, all disease 
will be cured by 2030. Wow. All disease. We have such a bright future that we are right on top of if we don't destroy ourselves first. <laughs> Glenn Beck Mercury Another school shooting The gunfire lasted less than 10 minutes but this heavily armed with a bulletproof vest loads of ammunition and a powerful AR15 Another debate about banning guns. Keep assault rifles out of the hands of people who are going to shoot our kids. I want this to be the catalyst, the end of the Second Amendment. Now, more than ever, you need to know the facts. Get Control, exposing the truth about guns on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Beginning next week, we're going to start taking you through all of those uh, arguments and, um, and really preparing you for, <laughs> for what is going to be that march. Uh, that's when everybody is going to be talking about this again, and we need to be prepared with the rock-solid uh, arguments. So we're going to be going over those beginning on Monday on this uh, program. Welcome to Pat Gray. Pat, we've been, we've been on the air while uh, Donald Trump uh, gave his speech. We have mm-hmm. uh, selections from uh, from Donald Trump where he was talking about, you know, I have proven I'm a conservative. I have cut taxes and I have done a great job on uh, judges, which he has. There's a real legacy mm-hmm. uh, to Donald Trump on judges that I don't think people mm-hmm. are really talking about what what he has done on judges, not just Gorsuch. Yeah, that one pretty much universally praised by conservatives yeah. uh, more than any other part of his agenda. Yeah. I would say. And he and, you know, he's out of the way of whoever is making the calls on the judges and these are the this is game changing um the calls that he's made on uh, on the judges what else did he talk about while i was listening he was talking about uh trade the trade deficit and we are 500 billion dollars in uh deficit to china we are 100 billion dollars uh, in deficit to mexico and it's unacceptable and all those things are going to be re- redone nafta it's going away uh, it's Is going it, he's away. back on that because he, he yeah. was talking about it staying for a while. Yeah, uh, he's not. He didn't seem to be on that track right now. And the World Trade Organization, which created China, he says, uh, as soon as the WTO was created, China went like a rocket ship to the top, and so that's going to be redone. We're going to get out of that. We're going to we're, we're going to redo all these things. If they won't come to an agreement, we're going to redo them all. Well, and we'll start over again. You think that's negotiation, or because he hasn't really done much of that yet? I don't think. I, think, I just think that's the part of his agenda he hadn't gotten to yet, and I think now that's the part he cares about yeah. deeply. Oh, he cares about that. Talks deeply. about it all the time. Yeah. yeah, and so I think this is the year he gets to it because he got to some of the other things and. You know, uh, they got the tax uh, cut done. Uh, they couldn't get Obamacare eliminated, although he said we're doing it piecemeal, and maybe that's the better way. Well, they did get rid of the biggest yeah, the mandate. offense, I would say, the individual mandate, which is yeah, a which big is what he said, yeah. that they've essentially gutted and eliminated yeah, it, Obamacare. I mean, we all talked about that, that you know, got to get rid of the mandate, and if you, have, if you get rid of the mandate, then the whole thing collapses. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it was a different scenario when we were talking about that eight years ago. Uh, now, you know, you don't necessarily want that just to fall apart and collapse yeah. on you without mm-hmm. something for it to fall into, like the free market system. Though the, the mandate is what separates Obamacare from your typical bad program and something that is absolutely unconstitutional and is an embarrassment that it was enacted. The fact that they got rid of the mandate does 
does change that, I think. It's a big, it's a move in the right direction, no matter what happens to Obamacare, because we have a lot of crap heap programs where we spend a lot of tax dollars to do nothing. I mean, we got a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million of those, and, and uh, you know, those have been around for a while. The mandate forcing people to purchase a product is so ridiculously unconstitutional yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that that is gone, I will say. And that was a big part of it. He also was a little self-deprecating. Um, which is not a. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, this is a, a Donald Trump talking about his bald spot. Uh, I try like hell to hide that bald spot, folks. I work hard. <laughs> that is. Doesn't look bad. Hey, we're hanging in. We're hanging. <laughs> that is. Wow. This is That's amazing great. for him. Wow. That's the first time I've ever heard him. Yeah. Mention a bald spot. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, that's self-deprecating. That right. kind of stuff makes him more likable. No question about it. Yeah. It shows he's, you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's human. Yeah. He's human. Yeah. Uh, I guess now you know, people are speculating that he just finally came out and said this because he's been asked about this for years. I know. Yeah. People grabbed his hair in interviews. Yeah. I mean, it's been. Why was I, CPAC the place where he. I don't. The only thing I, I've, heard, I've been, you know, the speculation is because of that video that came out a few, a couple weeks ago. Which I did not I, believe I at first. seen the oh, video. You haven't seen the video. You so haven't seen the video? I don't think oh, so. Oh, you've got to of see a bald spot? Yeah. 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 Look at just, just really? Google, just Google oh, okay. uh, Trump's bald spot. You won't believe it. It looks like i, I didn't believe that. it yeah we thought it was fake initially yeah, it looks like the phantom of the opera he's oh, walking well, up the steps he had to say it then right i, I mean guess. that's no. why he kind of had to i well you know i i look he his there's a lot of times people say to donald trump you got to say this you got to say this and he doesn't do it true and so for him to take a step kind of in a self-deprecating manner um i think is a really good step it's it is it makes him more i think so human, too you know? definitely yeah. makes him more likable yeah and it definitely does so the video if you haven't seen it is him walking up the steps of uh air force one right yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah yeah. and uh, you know the wind is it's on a tarmac so it's very windy and and, and a flap opens up <laughs> on the back of his head oh no really <laughs> oh my gosh yeah have you not oh, found I, it I, not yet oh uh-huh. you have to see i want to see your hear your reaction it is it's like bum, 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 bum. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I thought it was fake because it's so bad. The way it looks, it's so bad. But he seemingly handled it uh, pretty yeah, well. Yeah, handled it graciously in the moment, which is odd. Again, mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, it might maybe he's grown into this job. That would be nice. That well, would be he's ni- had I, a good week, man. Mm-hmm. His yeah, I yes. mean his his. His yeah. uh, deal with the guns was uh, much better than the CNN version yeah. of the conversation. I about mean, guns. that was that was the way the media portrays all Trump rallies. Yeah, exactly. They had mm-hmm. switched, and he did mm-hmm. a good job. He with was that. being presidential. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, because he's he's taking or he's signaling uh, steps that I don't agree with when it comes to the Second Amendment, uh, and I'm concerned mm-hmm. about that. Um, but he hasn't done them yet. We'll see kind of what, where that goes. I think, you know, right now the Republican Congress, which many of them are completely spineless, right, are sitting back and say, and looking for permission to vote for anti-Second Amendment legislation. They want to be able to say to people, look, we took this seriously and the information changed and we're, we're going at, we, we, we have, it's common sense. We had to do it. And the only re- way they'll be able to justify that to their consi- constituency is if Trump gives them permission. If Trump comes out and supports mm-hmm. those things, mm-hmm. then they'll all fall in line. I think the same thing goes if he opposes them, they'll all oppose them. What I mean, if- he really does lead, lead the leash. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, I mean let, me, let me play something. Let me play um, Cuomo. Uh, versus Charles Cook. Charles Cook, who is great, he's on this network from time to time, and he was part of the Real News. 
um, uh, he's just a great thinker. Now, listen to him, and he's clear with logic. He's doing math. (laughs) Cuomo is doing common core math. Listen to this. I don't understand why there'd be resistance to, you know, especially for lawful, lawful people. Why wouldn't you have all sales applicable to a background check? Well, the first argument, and I, I think this is always a good thing to remember when government gets involved, whether it's the war on terror or, or drugs, is that, as I say, there isn't a great deal of evidence that it works uh, or that sheriffs prioritize it in, in states that have them. Um, the second reason is that uh, if, as it has been suggested thus far, it would effectively create a gun registry. Um, and gun registries are opposed, I think, for good reason by uh, those who have uh, an interest. But you already in have it for the majority of sales. This would just be making it in all transactions. Why create a loophole when you don't need one? Its practical well, it, impact it, it, is something to consider. But as a prophylactic device, I just don't understand a good, ar- a good argument against it. Well, I think, as I say, a good argument against it is that recent studies conducted, it should be said, by gun control advocates and written up by gun control advocates have conceded that there doesn't seem to be much evidence that it does anything. And if we're trying to improve uh, the situation on the ground here, then that doesn't seem to now me listen to, be to this logic to from Chris. Well, and the argument for it would be you might as well try whatever you can because you have so many guns getting into it the wrong sets work, of hands. But Charles, but you know what matters? See, this is, yeah, but go ahead. That, make your final listen, point. That, Well, I think that, you see, I think that's where we have to be careful here, because there is this argument in the aftermath of mass shootings, and we saw a lot of it last night in what I thought was an an unhelpful town hall held at the wrong time. Um, We see a lot of this argument, you have to do something. But of course, we don't all agree we need to do anything. Marco Rubio came out last night against the idea of, say, arming teachers. Now, it wouldn't be a particularly convincing response to say, well, why doesn't he just want to do something? (laughs) Well, he did say he would do certain things. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, I agree. But 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 just saying, well, why don't we just do something? Why don't we try that? There's nothing to lose. It's not a standard we apply across the board. No, no, Left that's understood. Right disagree here. Not arbitrary things. Absolutely. There has to be well, a reasonable understanding. No, but look, uh, Charles, what I'm saying, we agree. You should do things that are calculated to make a real difference. Mm. You should base it on debate Wait. and data and Wait, research data? in the area. Research. There's no question about that. There's what? no reason just to throw, throw out uh, any you... kind of solution that won't work. But look, at the end of the day, it's a debate worth having. We need all sides, and I appreciate you being here. Take it easy. You on didn't say anything. <laughs> you just lost the argument. You just yeah. lost the Badly. argument. Uh, we Badly. agree. We need to make sure that we're looking at research and data. Right. I just told you the research and data says it does nothing. <laughs> right. But in the end, you know he wanted to say, but in the end, we do need to do something. Yeah, right. And by the way, that something is the thing I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, no other thing, because there's right. lots of other things out there that right. I don't think we should do to right. do something. But the thing I want to do should be the something we uh, should do. And I, I have to tell you, Charles, his, his response is, well, you know, uh, the president said armed teachers. That's doing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could see Cuomo, like immediately his body language, it just shifted to dismiss. Well, arming teachers. Well, that's just stupid. Well, wait. <laughs> why don't we <laughs> just <laughs> try it? Okay. We, let's just, just do it. something. Yeah, what the heck? Uh, Pat Gray Unleashed coming up on the Blaze Radio and TV Network uh, just a moment. We th- well, we think the thing that you're suggesting is, is stupid. That's yeah. why we're dismissing it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I keep hearing this about the, the teachers and arming the teachers. And I'm not saying it's my top policy prescription for this. But 
stop for a second. We keep hearing these same things come out of people's mouths, even from teachers. They're like, I'm you know, teaching algebra. I don't want to be... I don't want to be defending kids. I don't want to be pointing a Swiss, Swiss, uh, uh, Smith & Wesson while I'm, um, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm teaching algebra. You're not going to be pointing it when you're teaching algebra. You're going right. to be pointing it when an active shooter is at your door. Correct. Uh, let me, let me, the let me same ask. thing with the, with the, with the security uh, situation with the uh, um, deputy. Yeah. He's out there and they're like, this proves that, the, that security at schools won't work. The guy just stood outside and didn't do anything. Well, first of all, yes, it is a requirement of the policy for the guy to go inside. Yes, I all gra- <laughs> granted. But again, take everybody in that situation. You're a minute and a half into that. You have a choice to make. Would you rather have a security per- personnel that's armed walking up to the building who may or may not come inside? Or would you rather have nobody yeah. Nobody with guns inside, nobody with guns. Let me Only, just let me wh- just say this. Why did we not have a problem when uh the airlines trained everyone on the flight deck to use a gun mm. after 9/11? Remember that? We were going to have our pilots have guns. Yep. And we had our Navy SEALs and all of the experts go in and train the people on the flight deck how to use a gun. Then we hardened the door. Air marshals as well. <laughs> and we put air yep. marshals in. Mm-hmm. Somebody on the plane with a gun. Well, you don't want a shootout in an airplane. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah if it means we're all going to die or he dies, yeah, I'm going to go for the shootout yeah. in the airplane. What you really don't want is a one-person shootout. Right. Those shootouts suck right. because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. When one person starts shooting, you want a two- or three- or four-person shootout. You want bullets flying both ways when the, once they start flying one way. Doesn't seem to be a problem to uh, to arm our pilots. Why is it a problem to arm and train some teachers? I don't see a problem with it, but they may not. I'm like, look, it's not going to solve every one of these things. No, it didn't. Like the security this on premises that was armed. The problem. Everything worked when it came to this shooting, as far as security goes, until the guy stayed outside. And maybe sometimes people will fail. These are impossible situations yes. to predict how yes. you're going to act. But, I mean, don't you want the possibility of success? They're rejecting the possibility uh, of success just, for the possibility of failure. I would just like to say that the failure is not just on Scott Peterson, the sheriff's deputy. Oh, no, no, no. But on the sheriff himself and whoever is training to, to not see this as a problem. Simply Safe. Home security system is, I mean, this is a little teeny company a few years ago with 10 employees. They've now transformed into the fastest growing home security company in the nation, protecting over 2 million people. I've seen them in homes. I have seen them uh, in businesses. It is the new and um, more effective and quite honestly, much more economically feasible and and just wiser way to protect whatever it is you're trying to protect. Now the system has been completely rebuilt and redesigned. It now protects against power outages, downed Wi-Fi, cut landlines, the all-new Simply Safe. It's been completely redesigned to be practically invisible, but it is not silent when there is a tr- intruder. 
And here's what the most remarkable thing is. After all of the years building this system, they've added so much, you still get it for the same fair and honest price. 24-7 protection is still only $15 a month. There's no wires. There's no contract. There's no strings. You own the system. It's smaller, faster, and stronger. Visit simplysafebeck.com and order the brand new Simply Safe now. Uh, supplies are limited, so simplysafebeck.com. Protect your home and your family. Simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. You want to know why, uh, you know, you'll never be able to stop people, especially now that there's 3D printing. Listen to this story just broke. 28 firearms, 66,000 rounds of ammunition seized from a man who was not supposed to have any of these weapons. 13 AR-15 style weapons he had, um, and 11 of them were ghost guns, uh, which were a short barrel AR-15 style fully automatic machine guns. Now, how did he get those? Well, these guns are firearms that are untraceable by law enforcement due to their lack of serial numbers because they are built by an individual, not a manufacturer. So someone built these by yeah. 11 machine guns he had. Right. No and but just FYI, uh, that's somebody building them. Now that we have the plans out on the Internet mm. and 3D printing, you can print guns. Glenn, back. Mercury.